Psycho Steve presents. Hey guys and girls and everything in between, this is your favorite podcasting pal, Psycho Steve, on Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. This week, we got a very special guest, six-stringer, guitar extraordinaire, Mr. Brian Forsythe, guitarist of Vinyl Bucket, and Kicks. Good day, good evening, good morning, whatever time it is. How the hell are you? Good. Excellent. So, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking the time. I know you're quite busy with multiple projects. And we just wanted to get things started and promote whatever we got going. I thought we started off with a couple of questions. First question is, All right. is guitar your first instrument? Um, yes, it is. Uh, but it's funny because when I, um, right around the time I first picked it up, um, I was also fascinated with drums and uh, was having trouble deciding. <laughs> huh, right on. But so, uh, you play drums as well. I used to be able to. I haven't played in so long. I, I, it would take me a while to to get up to any kind of speed. <laughs> but mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, I was better on guitar because that's what I stuck with. <laughs> right on. Okay. Now, are you self-taught or did you get lessons? Um, pretty much self-taught. I, uh, you know, people showed me stuff along the way, and I did take like three months of actual guitar lessons at one point when I was in junior high school. Right. Um, and my, my older brother used to play guitar a little bit, and he actually got me started. Um, oh, but I, I just I hung out with with um, other guitar players. That's where I, I pretty much learned early on, and then after that, it was. You know, back in the old, back in the seventies, back when there was just vinyl records, right. I'd sit there with with an album in the in the needle and moving it back. You know, like four bars at a time, and learning guitar licks. That's how I did it. That's so funny. I was just about to ask you since you brought up vinyl. What was your first album that you purchased? Well, the first album I actually owned, I didn't purchase. I got it for my birthday. I think it was my ninth birthday. Or somewhere okay. around there, uh, it was uh, Cream Israeli Gears. Awesome it was my it was my first record. Before that, I have my my older brother is four years older, so he had you know he, I just listened to his records. I never had to buy any before that. He had all the Beatles records and Bob Dylan and all that junk. And so yeah, my my, my first love was was Cream. When I heard Cream, it was like oh man. <laughs> Definitely couldn't hear that in your playing style. You're definitely a Clapton because you're a very bluesy feel to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he was one of my earlier influences. Him and Chuck Berry, of course. Of course. Awesome. Now, you've been on and off with Kicks. You were one of the founding members of Kicks. Did you come up with the name or who came up with the name Kicks? Uh, that was actually Donnie. We... Okay. Um, before that, before we got signed, we were called the Shoes, and uh, that that was spelled S H O O Z E. And um, but there was another band in the Midwest called Shoes, spelled just S H O E S, and they actually had um, they had a couple of hit songs, I think. Um, really? So so when it came time to you know when when they decided to sign us, they said, well, you're going to have to change the name. And we ended up changing it to first the generators, okay. And we had we had that name for maybe two months because we uh, it was it was the transition between getting signed and doing the record. And uh, right when we were we were already done recording and we they were in the middle of putting together the artwork for the record, uh, they ran that name and found out that somebody else had that name too. So right at the last minute, it was like, well, we got we have to know by the end of the day because the artwork has to go through to get the record out on the release date and so there was all this pressure and they said you got to come up with another name so Donnie just threw out Kicks and said how about Kicks spelled K-I-X because I think he was in a band actually he was in a, he was in a band called Kicks but it was spelled K-I-C-K-S and, but then he was in another band called Jax spelled J-A-X so he kind of combined those two ideas to come right. up with Kicks nice. so that's how he did it 
Jacks with the great club that used to be in Richmond, in Springfield, Virginia, which you guys are yeah quite a few times too. Yeah, but awesome. I, I remember I remember when he threw that name out. Everybody kind of groaned, and we were like, "Oh man!" <laughs> but nobody else had any other ideas, and we went, "I guess that's okay." <laughs> nice. How about Rhino Bucket? Did you come up with that? No, no, no. I I, I didn't join Rhino Bucket until around the year 2000 and they had been around since 19 the late 80s I think I forget when they they uh, initially formed but they had um, two records out on Warner Brothers like in the early 90s and then then another one I forget the third record they had they switched labels but so they they had been around I was a fan back way back I remember getting a promo copy of their first record and thinking man that's a cool band (laughs) (laughs) like I said you've been in kicks and you know labels you know record deals are definitely different than they are today because you know the bands today don't make what you know the guarantee is definitely different now and everything when you got your first guarantee what did you buy? Oh, you mean when we first got signed? Um, yeah. We, you know, <laughs> um, bad timing was, was um, <laughs> bad timing was, was our career. But uh, the year we got signed, they stopped giving out advances for some reason. They, they had just gotten through this that whole pale of scandal of the 70s. Like, right. just that thing had just blown over and... So they were being really stingy with the money around that time we got signed. So we didn't even get in advance. I mean, all they really did was they advanced us the money to record the record. Um, but we didn't physically get it. It was just, uh, you know, they stuck us in the studio and it started running a tab. <laughs> okay. And, and we ended up getting charged back for it anyway. So Nice. Yeah, but by the time we got, I mean, I, I'm sure most of the people listening uh, have heard this story, but by the time we got to uh, blow my fuse, I think we were somewhere around $2 million in debt because just because we never got any money, you know, up front and it was all charged back to us on this big giant like bill it was like a you know it's like when you get signed by a record company it's you're pretty much it's pretty much like a loan shark you know loan you the money and then then take everything (laughs) (laughs) wow Um, i also noticed uh, i've been a a fan of yours for many years Uh, i've also known to see on your instagram page and also on your facebook page you post a lot of pictures of food I know you go out to eat quite frequently, but do you also cook? Yes, I do. All right, so can we expect possibly a cookbook from you? Because your food looks really awesome. Me, I can make really good reservations and burn water. So I'm just like, he plays an amazing guitar, and now he's also a cook? Why not? Well, I know I have people asking me that all the time about a cookbook, but you know what the weird thing about my cooking is? It's just like my playing. I, I'm winging it. I don't really measure. I don't measure anything. I mean, if I'm if I'm going to bake something, I'll look at the instructions just to make sure all the measurements are right. But when I'm throwing together like a meal, it's just you know I get a picture in my head about. Well, now I got I have to picture it before I didn't even do that, but. Uh, now I'm thinking about the photo, so <laughs> so I, I try to I try to think of all the different components and what it's going to look like, and then I try to put it together like that. But uh, um, I'm not following a recipe unless it's something weird, like you know I have to make like hollandaise sauce or something. Then I'll I'll Google it and, and look to see how you're supposed to do it to make it right. All right, because I could see you going on like Master Chef or something. Because some of the things you make, I'm just like, holy cow! You know, my brother, I have an older brother. But he went to Colonnex, he went to Johnson Wales, and my uh-huh. girlfriend and I buy Blue Apron a lot, and uh, for my kids and myself and her, and she's like, you gotta follow to the exact, and, and for me, I'm like, I, I like to be creative like you, not as good as you're cooking, but you know, and try a little whatever, and she's like, you gotta stick to it or it's gonna taste weird, and then me and the boys aren't gonna eat it, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I know that, well, see, that's the luxury I have. Is I, I pretty much cook for myself. My right. my girlfriend won't eat it. Like occasionally she'll eat something that I cook, but 
you know, because I'm always experimenting and, and uh, I'll substitute ingredients and make it just weird, just just because you know <laughs> I'm trying to make it more healthy or something, and. Mm-hmm. and and she she refuses to eat it. <laughs> like I'll I'll tell her what's in it, and she go, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to trick my kids. But, I made cauliflower from them the other day. They weren't oh, really, well. really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I made a cauliflower crusted pizza. Made the crust out of cauliflower. Yeah, that's awesome, right? Yeah, like it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't quite taste like you know real pizza dough, but. But the next time I do it, I know how to tweak it. Like, I'll make it, and I'll go, hmm, you know, how can I make this better? And then, you know, I get this idea, and the next time I do it, I can make it improve upon it. <laughs> nice. I, I tell anything, if you put any amount of cheese on it, it can make anything taste better. Because I, I, that's my weakness is cheese. Cheese, my kids, yeah. my chick, and rock and roll, then we're good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love, I love cheese, too. I, I can go to, like, a... Like the Whole Foods out here has a really nice cheese section. I just go there and just look at all the cheeses. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I told my girlfriend I loved her more than cheese. I knew she was the one. So <laughs> that's how it was. You cut me open. I go to meetings. It's pretty bad. You know, I've been cheese. So, all right. So getting back to music and everything, do you still own your first guitar? Uh, no, not my very first one. Okay. Um, actually, not my very first two. Actually, my very well, no, I still have the third one. Okay. But, and what uh, is that? My well, my very first one was uh, I got around the same time I got that Cream record. It was a okay. um, and it was a it was a K acoustic. Okay. And that's what I learned. That's what I learned on. And then cool. my first electric was a uh, it was an encore which is a cheap it was some cheap pawn shop knockoff of like a, a gibson sg okay and that that one i didn't have that for very long and i worked uh i actually bought it myself i, I worked all summer long pulling weeds for a neighbor lady <laughs> for like <laughs> 50 cents an hour and, and i i saved up the guitar was 36 dollars at the pawn shop it was used wow okay but this but this was like 71 69 70 70 71 somewhere around there real early on and right. and I um that's the guitar that I uh when I started taking guitar lessons as soon as I got the electric that's when I I decided to take lessons because I wanted to learn because I could play all the chords but I didn't know how to play lead guitar yet and I didn't I didn't know where to start so that's once I got the electric that's when I decided to do lessons and my very first lesson uh, my father dropped me off and it was only for a half hour and for some reason he thought it was an hour so w- when I got done I-, I came down it was it was at night I came down to the street it was up above a, a music store in downtown Frederick when I came down to the street uh, to meet my father and he wasn't there so I'm waiting and waiting and this is you know back before cell phones or anything so I can't really just call him right and uh and I and there's nobody around and the place is deserted because it's like nine o'clock at night and and I saw see this little gang of kid, guys coming down the street from like a block away and I thought oh that doesn't look safe <laughs> and so, I, so I went back in the doorway and I started to go up the steps back up towards where, where the lesson room was but I stopped like halfway because I could still see the sidewalk and I thought well I'll wait till I see them go by and then I'll come back down so I'm standing there on the steps and uh, and all of a sudden they stop at the door and they open the door and they're they're all looking at me and I'm holding my guitar and the guy goes hey what's that and I go that's my guitar and he reaches up and just snatches it out of my hand he goes it's mine now and they just take off running and there goes my guitar so that was my my first electric I lost and uh, (laughs) but but as a result of getting that one stolen um, there was another guy uh, he was my older brother's age that was in a band that that I used to look up to he's a really good guitar player He, he used to take me to his uh, rehearsal and I used to be able to sit there and watch his, his band rehearse and his keyboard player had this Gibson Melody Maker um, that he was looking to sell because he had to make a payment on his keyboards 
<laughs> and so this guy got the guitar from his keyboard player and showed it to me and it was this it's a, it's a 61 Gibson Melody Maker that I still own wow and uh, it's, a, it's that red one I used to right. play it back in the 80s and but back then when I first got it it was it was all original finish it was sunburst mm-hmm. uh, but being a you know in junior high school first thing I did was sanded it down <laughs> but, uh, but anyway so the, the payment for the keyboard was like $50 and that's all he needed so he goes oh, I'll sell it for $50 so my mother you know she felt bad that I got my other guitar stolen so she bought it for me for $50 and I still have it so so in a way you know it was a blessing that my that cheap guitar got stolen and I got a nice melody maker out of it <laughs> right on did you write any of Kix's songs on it? Well, I used it on every record, uh, even, um, yeah, from the first record on. It's like the, the guitar and the itch, the real jangly guitar is that guitar. Oh, wow. Um, and, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, I used it on so much stuff that I can't remember, but I know I, I used it on that one for sure because I have a, uh, I have a switch so I can make a single coil, and, and I play, that's what I played it, uh, single coil on that song. Right on. Nice. So, so that is my, that was my first official guitar, I would say. Okay, cool. And now you're a strat kind of guy, because most of the times I've seen you perform, you play mainly strats, right? Uh, Telecaster, actually. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Here's a crazy question. Out of all the musicians, dead or alive, if you are on a bucket list, who would you like to record with or play out live with if you had the chance? Hmm. Dead or alive? Yes. Or you wow, that, really op- that really opens it up. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, well, before, it's not going to be like a normal interview. <laughs> um, well, one of my one of my all time favorite guitar players is um, Billy Gibbons. Okay. So it would be fun to jam with him, but to rec- but to record maybe that would be different. Maybe to record. Uh, wow, <laughs> you know I'm gonna tell I'm gonna say, I'm probably gonna say something and then after we hang up I'm gonna go oh why didn't I think of so and so yeah because I've had I've had that happen before where someone will ask me well who's your biggest influence and I'll name somebody and then after I hang up I go oh but I forgot about so and so. But, but to record record with, I would say, oh God, there's so many good guitar players. Right. Uh, huh. You know, going with like somebody more modern, it would be fun. Also, it would be fun to do something with um, like Jack White. Okay. Cool. Just just because I I have this respect for his just his creativity. I mean, he's not the greatest guitar player, but. There's something about him that's kind of cool, and I, I would love to be around that and see how that works and participate in it. Right. Totally get that. Uh, and you mentioned Billy G- uh, Gibbons of ZZ Top. Um, uh-huh. Now, here's the question about being starstruck. Because, you know, you're a rock guitar legend in my mind and many other people that listen to my show his kicks has been around for so many years and everything has there been a, a chance that, or a time that you were at a venue playing a show or just as a patron and you got to actually meet say Billy Gibbons and get starstruck oh yeah in fact, yes. <laughs> cool. I've, got, I, I, I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple times, and uh-huh. um, the first time was uh, 1981. We opened for ZZ Top for two shows. Wow! And okay. I didn't. We didn't get to see them on the first show, and then the second show. It was in Harrisburg at this place called City Island. So it was this out- well, they're both outdoors. One was in Allentown at the fair and then the other one was on City Island in Harrisburg and so the second one I thought okay I'm going to meet Billy Gibbons this time because you know I've 
been a fan of his forever. So, uh, and but the, the problem was this was right at, right after Cool Kids came out, right? Because this was early. This was early on, and right. and that's the only I had a Cool Kids cassette. So right. I thought, well, I'll, I'll give him one of my records, but I didn't figure. I didn't think that I wasn't that proud of the Cool Kids thing, and I knew that the opening track was burning love and I was worried that okay I'm going to give him this cassette he's going to stick it in he's going to hear that first song and it's going to get ejected and that'll be the end of that (laughs) but but I went to meet him and uh, for some reason that, that night he was he was sick he had like a bad cold or something and or the flu, I forget. So he was sort of in his trailer, and he, like people were sort of hovering around out there waiting to meet him. So I walk up there, and and uh, his limo driver was there, and his limo driver recognized me, and he goes, "Oh, you want to meet Billy? Oh, oh, I'll get you to meet him." And uh, so Billy, he finally, Billy Gibbons finally comes out of his trailer, and this limo driver just bugs him and bugs him until you could tell he was getting annoyed. So the only, like the only reason he came over and shook my hand was just to get this guy off my back. back, I mean, and so it was really bad circumstances. It was just this real quick. He just shook my hand real fast. And he even had a pen in his hand when he shook my hand because he had been signing autographs. But the limo driver kept saying, Hey, this guy wants your autograph. And I was like, no, I don't want an autograph. I just want to meet him. Because I always hated asking for autographs. Right. So, so anyway, it was just a bad situation real quick. And I kind of, I walked away like feeling like an idiot, but I went back later and knocked on the trailer door. And that's when I handed, you know, well, I didn't hand him personally the cassette. It, I think it was his tour manager opened the door. And right. I said, can you give this to Billy and tell him it's from uh, the guitar player from Kicks. And so the guy took the cassette. I don't know if Billy ever got it or what, but, uh, but but you asked you mentioned being starstruck. Um, right. Years later, this is probably I don't know how many years ago this was. Out here in L.A., I was doing this blues gig because I was playing in this blues band too for a while. Right. And one of the guys from um, was it the Red Devils had died, and uh, they were doing this. Uh, this memorial benefit concert at the King King for this guy, and so all the all the um, the guys from like the the, the Red Devils and the Blaster guy, the Blasters and like all those kind of guys were all there, you know, playing. And, and the that blues band that I was playing in was playing, and I got to sit in with the Red Devils, and we get done. And I'm standing there watching uh, this other band play, and I see this guy, this short little guy in a suit, come bopping by me, and he goes up to the front of the stage, and you know, putting his fist in the air. And then I recognized the little Jolly Green Giant hat that he had on, <laughs> and he and he turns around, and there's the beard, and it's Billy Gibbons, and he was there. Wow. And then he goes, he goes bopping back over to the bar, and he sat there at the bar, and people were talking to him. And I was I was starstruck. I was so I was too scared to go talk to him. Oh. So I so I didn't. And I, he was there all night long, and I was there all night long. Nice. The only problem was it was just one of the situations where there was a band playing all the time. So I thought, you know, if I go over there, I'm gonna have to yell in his ear. You know, we're not gonna be able to hear each other. It's just gonna be kind of weird. And so I just I, I just never went over there. Oh, okay. So, so that was a long drawn out explanation, or no? That's a, no, that, that's really cool, though. I like that answer. Now that you live in LA, what kind of car do you drive? Oh, I got a a cool little car. I got a I got one of those um, an HHR panel van. Oh, okay. I've never seen one. Yeah, I actually own an HHR myself. My that's the panel van version. I had the the um, one that would actually have. Um, seats in the back window, like yeah, in the windows. Yeah, well, I got I got this I got the panel van version, and it's uh, it's all black, and it's, I've got like cool wheels on it, and I even have the the tires with the white letters, and 
So it's a little hot rod car. Awesome. <laughs> I was doing anything I love it. under the hood or it's all factory besides that? Yeah, the only thing I did was like, you know, I uh, upgraded the, the air filter. I got one of those real nice air filters to sort of, but originally I wanted to get a turbo, but to get a turbo in a panel van was, it was really hard to find. It, those were, by the time I decided to get one, they had discontinued them. So, Right, that made it that made it even harder to find one, and then I, you know, trying to find the right color, and I, I really went. Um, I like this one that I got because the, it's got a black leather interior. So nice. someday, if, someday when the when the color fades or something, I might get it painted yellow. I always wanted a yellow panel hand. <laughs> People think cool. I'm weird. No, People that's think I'm weird. Cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But right. I figured with a, with a black interior, that would work because most of them are gray interior. Right. That's what I had in mind. Mine was silver exterior, yeah. dark gray, almost black cloth interior. So in your guitar collection, how many guitars do you own? Um, you know what? I have to count. It's somewhere around 30. Okay. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Right on. Some, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of one and I'll get another one. And so I sort of lost count. <laughs> okay. But, but I pretty much play the same ones all the time anyway. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> nice. All right. Do you practice every day? No, I should, but I don't. Okay. I mean, I, I was playing a little bit today between when we talked earlier and now. I, I pulled my guitar out because I hadn't pulled it out since the gig. I mean, I have other right. guitars sitting sitting here. Like, that's what I do. I, I, I have a guitar stand that holds five guitars. Oh, man. So, so I'll pull out a couple guitars and I'll throw them on that stand and just leave them there because... If I don't have them in front of me, I won't. I won't think about it. Right. You know, I get lazy. <laughs> but <laughs> but but if a guitar is sitting there and I see it, it, it I'm, I'm more likely to grab it and just pick it up and start noodling around on it a little bit. Nice. Now, all of you guys from Kicks live all over the country. How do you guys? Because I, I understand you guys haven't come out with a new album in quite some time. Uh, how do you guys get together and rehearse or do you guys because you've played the song so many times and you're like alright and you and Steve or you or whatever decide to say okay this is gonna, our set list is going to be and you already know the songs because you've been playing them forever in a day is that how it is or yep that's pretty much it <laughs> okay. yeah, we, we, we sort of email back and forth and agree on a set list and then everybody you know practice practice the songs on their own and then uh -huh. if there's a song that, that we throw in that we haven't done in a while or something new right we'll um we go over it like on sound check or something but you know when we first got back together right uh at the end of 2003 we did get together a couple of times to rehearse because it had been 10 years <laughs> right you know so that would have been a little hard to do just get up there and play after 10 years off <laughs> right now how did that formation happen like someone call someone and say you know let's get the band back together or you guys you know did you have a bad breakup or a good breakup or um well i left first right uh, i left i left in 93 and moved out here to la and then uh I went back and recorded that last record with them, and I, I did three shows right after, right after that, and then that was it. And, and, uh, and then they kept on going, I think, till 95, and then they broke up. And I think, well, the way Steve tells it, uh, at first it wasn't a bad breakup. It was sort of mutual. They just decided to stop doing it. And... Uh, so so they kind of all moved on and Steve put together his band Funny Money right and, and, and uh, right yeah and 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 I guess uh, he started booking shows because he, he had to keep working right and he, he and then all of a sudden Donnie or I think Steve even said that when, when they decided that was it he even you know asked Donnie he goes okay now this, for sure this is it because I'm going to I'm going to put this other thing together and I'm going to start booking shows with my other band and Donnie was like yeah that's it so so 
so Steve gets all these shows lined up <laughs> and then all of a sudden he gets a call from Donnie saying hey we got this offer for uh, New Year's Eve or something and, and Steve goes Donnie you said we weren't going to do it I already booked New Year's Eve <laughs> and and all of a sudden there was this big blow up and Donnie started yelling at him and Steve ended up slamming the phone down so that that ended up being like ugly and so that those guys had, hadn't talked since that phone call so wow. when it came so um yeah so that that's how that went but I remember I hadn't I'd seen Ronnie because Ronnie moved out here right after that he moved out to LA for a little bit so I used to see him around and um, so he was the only one that I actually saw in between I hadn't talked to Steve I hadn't talked to Donnie or anybody and, and then uh, I finally did talk to Donnie once I just out of the blue I just I had uh, his number and I thought oh, I wonder if it's the same number and I dialed it and sure enough his girlfriend answered and you know she put Johnny on the phone and we talked about old times and it was cool and then six months later Steve calls me and then Steve goes hey uh, you know I've been playing uh, doing these shows with Funny Money and, and Ronnie's been and at that point Ronnie had moved back back there Ronnie had his well he still has his band called the Blues Vultures yeah I and, saw that and, as well yeah so Steve and, and Ronnie used to play shows together and then at the end of the night Ronnie would jump up on stage because it was Steve and Jimmy well right. Mark but Mark wasn't kicks yet uh, and so Ronnie would jump up and they'd do kick songs and the, uh, club owners used to like give them a bonus if they would do that Wow. So Steve, so Steve calls me and he goes, "Hey, you know, I've been doing this thing, and where Ronnie jumps up at the end of the night, he goes, it would be really cool if he like kind of came into town and, you know, we just spring it on the crowd as a surprise, and you jump up there too, and it'd be the, you know, almost the whole band." He goes, "I could probably get some extra money from the promoter, if, you know." So. Uh, and I thought, okay, but at that point I was. Um, I was working a day job. I didn't really have much money. And I'm thinking, how am I going to pull that one off? Right. So I, I thought, I thought, well, maybe I can talk to the promoter and get like my flights paid for or something. So we tried to do it and it didn't work out that particular time. But then Steve calls me back and he goes, you know, he heard that I had asked for, you know, flights and this and that. And he goes, why don't we just um, it, uh, why, he goes maybe we should just try it like put it back together and do a couple of reunion shows and see just just to make a little extra money and have some fun and just do it you know as kicks and I thought yeah that would be cool so that's a, that's how we kind of ended up doing it uh, uh, around the holiday we, the first shows were around the holidays of 2003 right at the end of the year so, so that's how that came about. Nice. Try, you know, trying to do that little surprise thing that didn't work, and then we just decided to just to do it as a full blown band. So, awesome. All right. Who owns the name Kicks? Uh, we do now. <laughs> okay. I was you know, say, at one time, the label owned it. From what yeah, I yeah, well, right. Well, what? I, you know, I'm not even sure, but but I know when we first got back together, everybody was worried because, you know, we did it without Donnie, and we're like, oh, what if he comes back and tries to sue us and all this junk? So um, Mark Shanker researched the name and found out that nobody owned it. Huh. Or, or, or if somebody did, that they let it slot, you know, they didn't make the payment on it or whatever, and it was available, so he bought it. So the band, well, actually, the band bought it. So now the band owns it. Sweet. Okay. So we can do all the merchandising and all that junk without having to worry about anything. <laughs> right on. All right. So, a couple more questions because I know you're probably, you know, pretty busy. As far as in, what's next for Kicks or Rhino Bucket? Well. The next thing for Kicks is this 30th anniversary Blow My Fuse thing that we're putting out. Um, 
what's it called reblown i think <laughs> the 30th anniversary reblown and it's a um it's the blow my fuse record remixed and bo hill remixed it okay and then and we're putting it out as a um as a box set and it's going to include uh all the demos for for blow my fuse that we recorded on our own before we did the record so they're not exactly they don't sound exactly like the record it was before you know tom worman we did pre-production with him and all that and we rearranged a lot of songs so so it's really interesting to see you know where the song started and where it ended up um nice. so that's kind of kind of a cool bonus that's going to go in there I'm trying to remember the exact release date. Um, it's in September. It's right at the end of September, like around the 27th or 28th, or I forget. Okay. <laughs> but it's near the end of September, the, the official release date of that. Okay. So that that's the, the next big thing. And, and, and in fact, we've been doing the um, live, we've been doing the Blow My Fuse album in its entirety. That's, that's been awesome. our set list. <laughs> Yeah, it was a challenge because there was a couple that we hadn't done. Well, right. a couple we hadn't done in a long time. One that we had never done live, um, which is a uh, piece of the pie. The only time we ever played that song was in the studio when we recorded it. And in fact, we didn't even record it all in one take. Like I had to record, I had to keep punching it because we sort of just learned it. So, and there's a lot of guitar licks in that song. So. That took forever to get get through it, and I remember thinking once we got it done, thinking, "Man, I hope we never have to play that one live." And we hadn't until this year. <laughs> but I remember when we just right, huh? I was going to uh, say you, you played that live. You did the whole thing for M three, blow my yeah. fuse, right? And that was only I think the second time we'd played that. We only did that set one time before. So that was really, it was still fresh at that point. And now we've done it for a, for a while. It's, it's, it's sounding better now, but, but just, um, I was going to say about that. Oh, I remember when, when we decided to try to do that, the thing, the, the album in its entirety, I remember looking at Ronnie and I, we looked at each other and we were like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like between Piece of the Pie and Dirty Boys, that's another song that's hard to play a lot, but. But now that we've been doing it, it, you know, it's like anything else. If you practice it and keep doing it, after a while, it's not as hard anymore. So, so we've gotten used to it now. <laughs> but, uh, awesome. Yeah, so, so besides besides that, um, you know, people have also asked us about uh, new records. Right. That's sort of, you know, that's been tossed around. We've talked about it, but we haven't actually started working on anything yet. I mean, I guess yeah. everybody's got the, their own song ideas and stuff, but... But we haven't gotten together to, to do anything. That that may come at some point. <laughs> I don't know when. Right. I just yeah. love and how you guys would formulate that since you guys, like I said before, live all over the country. You know? How you yeah. Well, a chance to record it for send you guys email back and forth. I interviewed Joel Hoekstra a couple of months ago and he was telling me that, you know, like David Coverdale flew him and the rest of the band up to his house in Vegas and they recorded everything right then and there. You know, I was always wondering how bands do it when they live all over the country or different parts of the world and say, okay, we're going to come out with a new album, you know, how we're going to do it. Yeah. And well, so. the one we, the last one we did uh, in 2014, right? that one, um, I actually, what I did was, you know, because I'm always flying back there for, for shows. I would just uh, I'd extend my stay for like a week or so or, or if there were two weekends with shows I would just stay during the week and I'd go down to Mark's house because Mark has a, a a home studio oh right on and and we just took everybody's demos to all their song ideas and put them on you know put them all together and, and I'd go down there and Mark and I would sit there and we'd sort through all this stuff and, and uh, pick out this and that and it, and so it was a, a long process doing that last record like that and that, that's how we started and then once 
once we figured out which songs were the best ones, well, actually, we got we we got Taylor Rhodes involved first to help us with that process. But uh, and then you know the rest of the guys would come down to March, and then we we rehearse on little amps, and, and that's how we put that together. And, and then uh, it, it took a while. It wasn't like a you know in the old days we just. Well, in the old days, it still take a couple of months to do a record, it seems. Right. But, uh, this one took about a year, it seems. <laughs> it was wow. a long one. But it was a lot a lot of uh, pre-preparation, you know, just sorting through stuff. And Mark had a, luckily, Mark had a bunch of really good songs that he had co-written with, a, with one of these other guys, Rob, that was in Funny Money. But him and uh, Mark had co-written a, a bunch of songs together that were just sort of sitting around on you know, that, that they had recorded. And some of them were just pieces of songs. They weren't whole songs. They were just sort of ideas. Right. So, you know, all that stuff we weeded through and we, we picked out the cool ones that, you know, and, and that was the, the objective was like, well, this could sound like kicks if we did this. And, you know, so it was trying to figure out how to make all these different, because everybody's songs sounded different. Like Steve has a sound and Mark's songs had a sound. I, I had a, a, a song that I was going to use for Rhino Bucket, but it didn't get used. So I thought, well, that would work with kicks too. You know, so all these different sounding songs and we sort of tweaked them all so they all sound like kicks. Nice. So when we, when it finally came time to, to record the, the actual record, we did most of it at Mark's house. We had right. Taylor come up from, from Nashville and it took us about a week to do okay. basic, basic tracks and then we did, uh, then we went into a real studio and we, weird, we did it backwards. We did, we played to a click track Right. I mean, they were drum. They were drums, but it was just a you know, um, program drum. Right. And we record recorded everything to that, and then we took all that into the studio, and then Jimmy did real drums. Right. And then and then we did a few overdubs after that too. But but it took about two weeks to record everything, and then um, and then it took a little while to mix everything. But. You know, so it was, it was, um, I mean, that's how we did it. I just came down, I, I basically lived in Maryland or Virginia. I stayed at Mark's house. Right. Uh, some of the time until Taylor came up and then I moved to a hotel room. But So I stayed there for pretty much a month. Wow. To, to do this record. Well, cool. yeah, it's, it's hard. It would be hard to do it through email because then you're stuck with certain you know, arrangement. You can't right. pick your arrangements when you're doing it that way. Everything's just sort of stuck into into this thing. Right. We wanted to be able to play live and, and get the live feel and, and rearrange stuff as we went. And so it worked gotcha. out. So it was a collaborative effort, though, that you all gave pieces of other things that you've done collaborative in other bands or other projects and said, hey, we can take this part from Rhino Bucket, this from Funny Money, and put our own little yeah. spin on it, and that's how the album came about. Yeah, that's, pretty much. That's, that's awesome. That's great. And, and right. we discovered that, we did, and we discovered Mark Shanker is a pretty good songwriter, too, so, you know, we traded in one bass player that was a great songwriter for, for another bass player that can also write songs, so we lucked out. <laughs> that's great. Okay, a couple yeah. more questions, and then Rhino Bucket is right now on the hiatus, or do we expect something from them and you? Well, well, that uh, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, you know, last year we, we put out a record, right? A new record, and um, which I think is a really good record. Um, and then we did a European tour at the beginning of the year. Um, we did the cruise with Kicks, and then we did uh, one last show at the Rainbow out here. Right. Um, it was put on by the Whiskey, but we, it was in the Rainbow parking lot. And okay. um, that's kind of like the last show we did. And, 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 then, uh, and then George decided that he was going to end Rhino Bucket, that, that was, that's it, that's the end of it. And I wow. think, I, and I think because he was disillusioned because you know we put out this great record and nothing happened and you know just it's a kind of a 
money losing proposition. <laughs> like wow. we can't really make much money playing because we're not on the level of kicks or anything. Right. So it's really it's really hard to even cover expenses when you go out and try to play at that level. Um, uh, yeah. But right. You know. I've heard George say that before, <laughs> so I'm hope I'm hoping he'll get bored and, and at some point go, hey, maybe we can do another show. Because right. I'm all for it. I, I love playing with Lionel Bucket. Right, on. I had a really good time with those guys. Good, and never say never, right? Yeah, I'm always open to anything. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much anything. It's cool. All right, so how about new bands? What are you listening to now? Like, any new bands that really, like, oh, get you? That's a good question, too. I, um, I like Blackberry Smoke. <laughs> awesome. Um, I mean, that's, uh, country rock. But, yeah. uh, I really like those guys. I, you know, I know those guys. i I um, I was doing this kind of side project, and that wasn't my project. It was a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, this solo artist guy. He, he put this band together and to do a, a little tour, and he got a a string of shows with Blackberry Smoke opening. Oh, cool! And this this was a couple years ago now. Um, I had about a month off, so I decided to go do that. Um, so I played guitar for him. And we got to open for Blackberry Smoke. But I'd already met those guys before, so I was already friends with Charlie and um, and those guys. Anyway, so uh, I've been a big fan of theirs. But as far as, like, rock music, ooh, right. that's a tough one. There's not much that I even like. Okay. Like a, lot of new, a lot of new bands, um, Especially modern rock, I just I can't get into that whole sound that they have these days. Totally get it. I understand that. It doesn't inspire me at all. There's something, and it might even just be the way it's recorded these days. It, it sounds too mechanical to me. There's right. just no uh, there's no soul. Okay. I mean, I expect I still go I still go back and listen to you know old seven back from the seventies like ZZ Top and stuff like that. And it's just there's nothing that compares or or humble pie or or you know there's no uh, there's nothing that hits me like that except, except for maybe like Jack White. I like I like that guy. Okay. And all all the different things that he does, and that's a little inspiring. Um, I think what else I like when people use actual real tube amps instead of synthetic stuff on a computer and make it sound like a tube amp. Is that what you're trying to say? That and real and a real drummer, real drums. Right. You know, not all Pro Tools and everything exact. And the sound, yeah. It, like I like a, I like a sound. I mean, I still listen to blues artists and stuff. I, I like dynamics in the in this sound and a lot of these new bands their idea of dynamics is stepping on their pedals so their guitar gets super clean and they play a little thing real quiet and then all of a sudden it goes bam and then everything's full blast like for the chorus like just peaks out and it just I don't know it's just like a wall of sound and then it goes back down to just one guitar it's just uh, it's just formula that I hate <laughs> I hear you alright but all the other guys, all the other guys, they still, and maybe it's because Mark is younger than, than us, so he still listens to the newer stuff. And, and and I think because Mark and Jimmy and Steve were all in Funny Money, they would all listen to music together. So they, they will, they'll listen to newer stuff, and I'm always going, oh, I hate that band. <laughs> and then, like, Jimmy will go, oh, you hate everything. <laughs> like, they think they hate everything. <laughs> but it's just this new, new junk I just can't get into. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm a, I'm a rock and roll curmudgeon. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But I wouldn't yeah. call this new music rock and roll anyway. I don't know what right. it is. I totally understood. All right. Last two questions. So we got the new Kicks album coming out in the near future, a remastered um, from Tom Warren and you said Boat Hill. And then there's a stuff that people, unreleased stuff. And then hopefully you guys will go out and tour for that. And then 
but well, the uh, well, the box set it's a it's the remaster of Blow My Fuse, and, and it's got right. a second disc that, that's the demos, so right. you'll be able to hear that. So that, yeah, that that's that thing. Um, as far as like a new record, we don't really have anything put together for that yet. So we're still gonna we're we're just gonna continue to. Um, promote that the well my fuse box set that's coming out we're going to keep doing the um, you know the, the album in its entirety for a while awesome and okay. depending on the the length of the show i mean sometimes we play an hour and a half sometimes we play an hour so you know depending on the length of the show we'll still do the album in its entirety but a lot of times we have to add a bunch of songs to that too so we'll still play a bunch of other songs along with it Great. All right. And now, how can people find you on social media? Please plug away. <laughs> well, I'm on Facebook, of course. And right. I've got I've got a musician page called Brian Damage. Right. And I've also got my personal page, which is Brian Forsythe. And then I have a... Um, I have a personal website, which is brianforsythe.com, which... I have to admit, I never update. I have a um, link to the Kicks website, and right. the only thing that updates is the tour dates. They automatically update. I don't even. I had it switched. <laughs> I had somebody redesign that website for me, and then it's a whole different format. And I just never, uh, just never bothered to learn the, how to do it. Uh, so that's just sort of sitting there. I'm, I'm mostly on Facebook, and then I have Instagram. I think it's, uh, I forget what that would be. I don't even know what that is. But <laughs> most of my Instagram gets posted on my Facebook page anyway. But that's all food stuff. Dude. Right on. Yeah, that's what I know. You inspired me to, you know, try to make something for dinner tonight. Yeah. I make better reservations than anything. So, But, the, but then there's the, the, the Kicks website is kicksband.com. That's, okay. that's for kicks and that's all that that has all the new updates for the kick stuff if anyone's interested in that what's the name of the agency that you guys are with yeah it's called Big Time Entertainment oh so with and, uh, Sullivan Sullivan Big right yeah it's Sullivan Big yeah okay awesome great guy I love him he's yeah. such a good person yeah he, he's, he's the same guy that does Vixen oh right on yeah it, that's quite a many people so, yeah, his, awesome. his, his specialty is 80s, 80s bands. Sweet. All right. Well, like I said, I very much appreciate it. Uh, on behalf of my fans, my family, I very much appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. All right, man. Once again, thank you again, and have a great night. All right. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Psycho Steve presents... <laughs>